What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engage JSU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians. We are going to continue our series through the book of Ephesians entitled God's Plan. Tonight we'll be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. If you haven't been with us this entire semester, we've been going through the book of Ephesians and we've been going through God's plan. And we've looked at God's plan for salvation in Ephesians 1, how he planned it before the foundation of the world. We looked at the specifics of how God gave us life in Christ in Ephesians chapter 2. Then in Ephesians chapter 3, we saw that God had planned all along not only for Israel to be saved, but that he planned for the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish, to also partake in this great salvation that we had described in weeks before. In, in chapter 4 of Ephesians, we touched on this two weeks ago when we talked about walking in unity. Because Paul was explaining in chapter 3, that now that the Gentiles have been included, this new thing, this new people of God is to walk in unity. He says that we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we've been called. He tells us to walk in humility and patience, gentleness. And so when we come to our text tonight, we see in verse 7 that Paul continues this thought on unity. He, he carries this idea forward in really practical ways. And so if you're thinking about the book of Ephesians, the first half is very doctrinally heavy. It, it, it's not without application, but it's very theological. When we get to chapter 4, we start to roll on the practicality of everything that has come before it. So you notice the next three weeks will really be diving into topics of how we should live. When I thought about tonight's sermon, when I thought about tonight's text, it reminded me of a time in my life when I was about to get married. Bailey and I were about to get married. And so we were going to wedding showers and we were getting gifts at wedding showers. And I noticed that during wedding showers, uh, it's really the only place where you get gifts that at other times might be maybe considered an insult. You get gifts that help you clean, which as a husband, I know I'm not supposed to do for birthdays or anniversaries at all. I got a tool set 
I really had never used a tool set, but early on in my marriage, I was glad that I was given that. At first, I kind of thought, why am I getting this? I'm not going to use this. And then as the house project started to mount up, I was thankful for it. But just like gifts at a wedding shower are really given to be useful, right? The same thing is seen here in Ephesians chapter 4. We are given gifts. God gives many gifts to the church for a purpose. So the main idea of tonight's message, if you don't take anything away, is this. Since God has given many gifts to the church, we must mature in Christ. So let's take a look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for showing us what it means to be blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Father, I pray that as your word is read and taught and applied, that it would be very beneficial for your children. And Father, that those who don't know you would see your kindness and your mercy and your love. And that kindness would lead them to repentance and faith. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I said that since God has given many gifts to the church, we must mature in Christ. And there's three ways that I want us to see that we're to mature in Christ because of this. We mature by exercising our gifts. We mature by receiving people that are gifts. And we mature by doing all things in love. So the first thing I want us to see is that we mature in Christ by exercising our gifts. Paul says in verse 7, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And so what Paul is doing here is he's quoting Psalm 68. And in Psalm 68, what's happening is we have this description of a king who conquers his enemies. And this king receives gifts because of all of the conquering that he has done. But here we see Paul takes this psalm and he applies it to Christ, but he actually changes one of the words. He says, and he gave gifts to men. So we see here, Paul's applying Psalm 68 to Christ. And he's saying that this conquering king, this Christ, this Christ who died for us on a cross to redeem a people for himself, the new people of God in a new kingdom, in the new kingdom of God, this king gives his gifts to his people. He gives gifts to his people. But grace was given to each one of us. Did you notice that? We'll see a little bit later what kind of gifts Paul is talking about, what kind of gifts Christ gives to his church. But one of the things I want us to stop and notice here first is that each one of us who are believers in Christ are given gifts. So before we move any further, I want us to recognize that gifts have been given to all. But we also notice something that's a little bit less intuitive here in the text. It says that according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So we know that we're given gifts. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul actually says that not everyone has the same amount or the same gift. Some people have more of this gift. Some people have more of that gift. Some people can teach. Some people can serve. Some people can encourage. Not everyone's given the same gift and not everyone's even given as much of that gift. But we are all given gifts. And so tonight I want to briefly look at some of the other texts that talk about spiritual gifts and the things that they list. I'm not going to spend too much time going over a theology of spiritual gifts tonight. But I want to connect this passage to the other passages in hopes that you can maybe read them later and think about them and reflect on them. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, lists these gifts. Prophecy, teaching, exhorting, service, leading, giving, mercy. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, lists prophecy again. Discernment, words of wisdom, knowledge, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, faith, Get to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. We see there listed apostles, prophets, teachers, again, miracles, healing, helping, administration, and again, tongues. And in our text tonight, we see these things listed. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and 
teachers. And so tonight, I want to emphasize what our text emphasizes about spiritual gifts. We want to look at the other text and we want to see what they list, but I want to emphasize what our texts emphasize tonight. And what our text emphasizes tonight is that everybody has spiritual gifts and they are for building one another up. So you can kind of get into the weeds of have some of these gifts ceased to operate in the church today? You can kind of get into the, the understanding of how to categorize the gifts. Maybe some of them go together. Some of them don't. Maybe they're the same thing. Maybe they're separate. But tonight I want you to just see whatever you believe about the specifics of spiritual gifts. What I want you to know is that everyone has them and they're for building up. And not only that, these gifts are from our conquering king, Christ, who's lavished on us every spiritual blessing. And so when we come to Christ, when we repent of our sin, when we leave the domain of darkness, when we're rescued from the domain of darkness, what we find is a king that is kind, a king that is giving. He gives us gifts and he gives us gifts to be useful to one another. So as you're thinking about these spiritual gifts, I would want to encourage you to go back and reread those four passages and really just reflect on what you think the Lord might have gifted you with to serve the body of Christ. Reflect on your life as a believer. Reflect on where God has put you. But don't just do that. After reading and reflecting, I actually think one of the most important ways that we discern our spiritual gifts is by serving and being known by other believers in the body of Christ. New Testament professor and pastor Tom Schreiner, he really highlights this idea in his book and in articles that he's written about spiritual gifts. And I've got kind of a paraphrased understanding of what he says. If you lean into serving and being known in a local body of believers, you will exercise your spiritual gifts, even if you don't know you're doing it. So you see all these things listed here, helping, teaching, administration, words of wisdom, discernment. The, the Lord has gifted us with these things and we don't always have to know, oh, that's my spiritual gift in order to just serve the body with how we're gifted. Kind of reminds me of the fact that I like to work out, but I also sometimes take extended breaks from exercising. Whenever I go back, I always find that I get more sore than I remember. And it's really because I haven't been doing it in a while. And when I first worked out, the, the first time I still remember in high school, I took, a, I took a weight training class and I worked out with the football team. The first week after that happened, I, I just remember being sore in places that I didn't even know had muscles. Have, have any of you ever experienced that? 
You're like, why is the inner part of my thigh sore? Like, I didn't do anything to work that out. But you know what happens when you do exercises, your body knows better than you do what muscles to recruit. And it's similar to what we see in the Bible about spiritual gifts. When you are known and when you are serving in a body, you'll be recruited and you'll be used whether you know it or not. Whether you know that it's a spiritual gift or not, you'll be used and recruited if you're known and serving. And sometimes when we think about spiritual gifts, sometimes we think about titles and roles and teams. Well, if I'm on this team, I'm serving in this way, and that's my gift, so I'm going to be on that thing. Or I want to do this, so I need this title and I need this role. But that's not the picture that the Bible paints of spiritual gifts. Those who are gifted in helping, help. Those who are gifted in giving, give. They're generous. Those who serve, serve. Those who teach, teach. It's not about the title. It's about the action. And we'll see later in chapter 4, it's also about the heart behind the action. Be known, seek to serve others. Not only do we see this in, in chapter 4, we also see that we mature in Christ by receiving people that are gifts. Now, this is kind of a strange way to phrase this, but it's the best I could do. Verse 11, we see a shift from Paul talking about the gifts that Christ gives to every believer to actually talking about gifted people that Christ gives the church. Did you notice that in verse 11? And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so, not only is Christ giving everybody gifts, it's kind of like when Oprah said, you get a car, you get a car. Not only is everybody getting gifts, but then we see that there are these foundational gifts that Christ has given to his church to then help other people use their gifts. What do I mean they're foundational gifted people? Well, back in verse 2, when we talked about the Gentiles being included and we talked about the body, or rather, Paul uses this metaphor of a temple, where, where the temple being built. He says, Christ is the chief cornerstone. That's the most important stone. And then there's a foundation of apostles and prophets. And then the rest are being built. And so, Christ has given his church these foundational gifts to equip everyone else to walk in their gifts. So sometimes people can read this text and think, okay, Christ given gifts, and these are the gifts are just these people. But if we, if we slow down and notice in chapter four, we just saw that all are given gifts. But we know that not all are 
prophets and evangelists and teachers and shepherds. Those seem to be something categorically different. I like the way that one commentator put it. Harold Honer in his commentary says this. The point is that the gifted persons listed in verse 11 serve as the foundational gifts that are used for the immediate purpose of preparing all the saints to minister. Thus, every believer must do the work of the ministry. And that's exactly what we see in chapter 4. These foundational gifts are given not to do all of the ministry. Sometimes we think that pastors and leaders, they do all of the ministry, but, but that's not true. What does Paul say? They are equipping the saints for ministry. Leaders equip you to share the gospel, to serve and love, to teach, to give, to love. And what does Paul say the goal is? It's the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. And ultimately, it's maturity in Christ. It's maturity in Christ. You see, it's kind of like a three-stranded rope there. Unity of faith, we got unity again, showing how important it is in the body. We've got knowledge of the Son of God. And ultimately, what are we doing? We're maturing in Christ. So the goal is maturity and unity. And the way we get there is the knowledge of Christ. Then we see this interesting contrast. If we keep going in verse 14, Paul says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, by deceitful schemes. And so when I was a kid, one of the things that I actually loved to do when I went to the beach was I would go and I would stand out in front of the waves that I knew would knock me over, and I would just have a blast just letting waves knock me over and letting them take me wherever they would. I would just get up and be knocked over and get up and be knocked over, and that was fun. But what Paul's saying here is that that's not what your life is supposed to be like as a Christian. We've got gifts We've got maturity, unity, and the means is the knowledge of Christ. And so what we see here by this contrast is that one of the goals of spiritual gifts in the church, in the body of Christ, is actually mature doctrinal stability. The knowledge of Christ leads to unity and maturity. The knowledge of Christ is tied to this growth in maturity and unity. Sometimes we think we can mature in our walk without knowing Christ without knowing what the Bible says about Christ. We need to know this Christ we serve 
in order to attain unity and maturity? How can we mature in Christ without a knowledge of Christ? But we also see that service, using your spiritual gifts, being equipped to use your spiritual gifts, having other people use their spiritual gifts for your favor, those things go with growth. And so we notice from this text, and we actually notice throughout the Bible, that growth is actually designed to happen in community. Christian maturity is not something that happens alone, but it happens in a community of believers that have different gifts than you do. It's connected to community and it's connected to knowledge. And so if we think about another three-strand rope here, we've got unity, knowledge, and maturity. They all go together, happening as we serve. It's one of the reasons that it's actually important to learn from the teachers that were gifted. And it's important to know what your Bible says and why it says it. It's important to know what you believe and why you believe it. We, we read scripture and so often we, we get inspired from it. We, we, we feel uplifted from it. But oftentimes we need to have a time where we study the Bible and learn theology and doctrine. Some Christians are so concerned with theology and doctrine that they never get out and actually serve and live in a community with people. And some Christians are so obsessed with serving, 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 they never stop to think, what do I actually believe about this Christ that I'm serving? And what does Paul say? He's given, Christ has given the body gifts to equip you. Use what Christ himself, this conquering king, has given you. Learn from teachers you know in your community. Learn from teachers whose lives you can watch. And let me just say something here tonight. Social media, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, there's a lot of winds on there blowing. There's a lot of waves crashing around. There's a lot of cunning and craftiness going on. And Paul wants you to not be taken off course by those things. Don't be tossed to and fro. But know Christ. Know Christ. Serve his people and be served by them. But not only do we mature in those ways, we, we also mature in Christ by doing everything in love. It's very interesting, so often when Paul talks about spiritual gifts, he comes back over and over again to the importance of love. 
Love is so often highlighted when spiritual gifts are highlighted. Why? Because being gifted, serving, it, it can puff you up with pride. It can make you be callous with the truth. And so Paul says in verse, in verse 15, speaking the truth in love. Verse 16, it builds itself up. This body builds itself up in love. One of the longest and most uh, important texts when it comes to spiritual gifts happens in 1 Corinthians in chapters 12 and 14. And one of the most quoted scriptures about love is right between it. 1 Corinthians 13. You probably heard it at every wedding you've ever been to. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It's right smack dab in the middle of gifts. It's not an accident. And it's not an accident that Paul emphasizes love here too. You got gifts, that's great. You're being served, that's great. But don't forget about love. Speaking the truth in love. I, I kind of talked an extended time about those who might be tempted to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But you've got some guys that they're so centered in their doctrine that the way that they speak is not loving. And it, and it kind of seems to go along with that same type of person. They, they've got so much, but they're not speaking the truth in love. And sometimes you'll hear them say, well, you know what? To actually speak the truth is actually the most loving. So you actually can't ever speak the truth if, and it not be loving. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Why would Paul say this if that was true? That's not true. You don't have to overcomplicate it. When we speak the truth, we're speaking in love. Verse 16, from the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so what's one test of if you are walking in love or not? Well, it's joining together. It's building up. That's not to say you can't ever have disagreements with people about how to understand something. But you can always have a disagreement with someone that is a building up disagreement. You can always separate how you speak and what you speak. Those things are not exactly the same. So how you speak should always be in love, even if you're speaking a disagreeing word. I mean, you guys have seen them. There's whole ministries that exist under the flag of truth that all they do is tear down and rip apart. That is not the picture we see here in Ephesians. We see that we're to speak the truth in love. Everything's building up. Everything's joining together. 
And so far, Paul in Ephesians has used two metaphors for the church, a human body and a temple, a building. And in both metaphors, in both word pictures, Paul emphasizes two things. A, Christ is the most important part. Christ is the cornerstone in the building. Christ is the head in the body. And then secondly, that it's being built and it's growing into something and that we participate. Gifts are for others. That's why Paul says we're to, to give ourselves to loving because gifts are for others. So even when you think about gifts this week, as you look at some of these passages, do, do you see your gifts as a blessing to build up, as a way to show love, or do they make you proud? Because those two things cannot go together. Remember, if it's done in love, it builds up. Maybe you ought to think about, well, where's the body weak? Maybe instead of complaining about where the body is weak, maybe you're being drawn in to help build that part back up. Everything we are to do as we serve is in love. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Does that description of love accurately reflect the way you serve? Patient, kind, gentle. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be as Christians. The reason that we're called to be this way as Christians is because Christ, our conquering king, this great and mighty one, the works he's done are marvelous. And this is the way that he lived. Everything he did was in love. Maybe you're here tonight and you think to yourself, I don't know about that. I've experienced a lot of churches. I've experienced a lot of church leaders. Wasn't all done in love. Let me just say that Christ loves. And at the cross, we see the beauty and magnificence and depth of his love displayed towards sinners. You can have hope. You can know this Christ. You can be forgiven for not walking in love. If you would come to him in faith, repent and believe. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the way that you have built up your body. Father, the way that you have given us so many gifts, so many blessings, 
Father, I pray that we wouldn't spurn your gifts, but we would see the value in each and every one of them, in each and every person that you've gifted to us, and in each and every gift that you have given to us. Father, I pray that as we think about ourselves and as we reflect on what you've done, Father, that we would begin to apply ourselves to the body of Christ where you've put us, to the local body of believers that each one of us gathers with on Sunday morning. Father, would you help us to see what needs need to be met, be known by people, and serve in love. Father, we do this because of this great Savior we have in Christ who has shown us the way of love. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.